1: Good morning. Well, hot today. It seems like it's re- reverting back. It's good to see you guys. Uh, you need to be with me in prayer because uh, it's teaching an old dog a new trick. They finally gave me the clicker. And so the slides may never stay up with the message, but uh, we'll we'll try to get through them uh, through the through the message. Uh, this is our second uh, uh, part of the series of uh the Lord is my shepherd. Pastor Bill shared last week uh, uh, about the shepherd, and uh, and this week we're going to talk about uh, He leadeth me. And let's see what the next. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's what we're going to do next. I'm doing so far so good, right? <laughs> as we as I've looked at this text, and it is really a, a powerful message. Uh, the, the 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 scripture itself. I'm talking about. It is. Um, we could probably do more than six series on the fact of the Lord is my shepherd and that he leadeth me. And uh, it is really a, a a powerful message. And as I looked at this text, there's so many truths in it that, that we can apply to our lives that really is uh, beneficial to us. And it is encouragement to us. And, uh, uh, One of the things I kept thinking when we started, Pastor Bill mentioned a couple of weeks ago if I would do this this particular one. And so I began to think about different things that we understand about He leadeth me. And one of the things that I thought of, and I'm not a singer, but I'll be glad to sing it to you. But uh, that would empty the real building. But this song that that used to be when we were kids, and it was called He leadeth me. He leadeth me. O blessed thought, O words of heaven, comfort fraught. Whatever I do, wherever I be, still, still 'tis God's hands that leadeth me. He leadeth me, He leadeth me, by His own hands He leadeth me. His faithful follower I will be. Uh, before His hands He leadeth me. I tell you what, that is uh, something that I I sang wholeheartedly for years and believed it and still believe it today. But my question today, as we begin the text is that have you ever felt that you've rushed through something without God's guidance, God's provision, God's protection? I think this text that we look at today helps us to understand that. Other things I began to think about as I was getting ready for this message was how do I show how He leads us? And one of the things that I thought of was the Israelites leaving leaving uh, uh, Egypt and crossing the Red Sea and then going across the desert, and the, there's a really a, a great picture of uh, of watching God lead the people. And that was, uh, if you remember Exodus chapter 13, it says that by day there was a pillar of cloud and by night there was a pillar of fire. So there was a comfort no matter what time of day or night that they knew what the Lord was with them. And I think that is really a positive thing. And, you know, I believe with all my heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have that same confidence today. I think of also of Jesus, uh, it, it, it says in John chapter 10 that he is, he is the light of the world. And that, that those who follow him, I'm not, it's not chapter 10, it's chapter 8, I, I knew I said it wrong. But he says that he's the light of the world and if we would follow him, that he would be the light of our life. And I think that is another confidence that Jesus has always kept his promise. There's never been a promise that he hasn't kept. And so when we look at this this idea of the scripture, again, it gives us some positive comfort that he's with us. And then in in Romans 8, we, we look at the fact that he's given us the Holy Spirit. And he says, if we're led by the Holy Spirit of God, then we are children of God. Man, I, I, I want you to, I want you to soak that in today. I want you to to understand that. And then another phrase that he gives us uh, throughout the scripture is the fact that in John chapter fifteen he talks about the vine and the branch, and he says that he's the vine and we are the branch, and that we need to stay connected or we cannot produce fruit. And then his last statement in that whole thought process is that you are my disciples and I want to see you produce much fruit. So we're not we're not here today uh, to uh, understand that we've been blessed to do nothing. He's, He's given us this confidence that he is leading us to something that he wants us to do. As a church, as individuals, that we are, we are, we have a responsibility. We have a, a a blessing that we, that we need to understand. So as we look at this Psalms 23, I believe with all my heart that, that David wrote that Psalm at the end of his life. And as, uh, uh Curtis mentioned the David in his communion thought. I do believe that there was a time where Jesus, where God restored him, but there was a there was a journey that he took, and so as he comes to the end of his journey, he he reflects with this psalm. I wonder if it was on the Sabbath, the day of the Lord, that he was sitting down in a quiet place. And remembering what God has done for him. And as he sat and remembered what God has done for him. He pins this song. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I was supposed to hit this. But I want us to look at this as a a blessing. I have lines underneath certain words. The Lord, shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. I want you to see that each one of those words that I underline in the Hebrew, they always have a Jehovah and they add another name for God. And it, 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 that name represents the blessing that God or a characteristic of, that, of God in that area. And I didn't bother to write the Hebrew words and all that. But I would like for you to look at these, these things. The Lord is Jehovah God, the covenant making God. I shall not want. It's the Jehovah God that provides. And then I messed up. But the one for pastor. uh, 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 I didn't mean pastor. Pastor. Is Jehovah God of blessings. And then when you look at the still waters. Jehovah God of peace. And restoreth my soul. Is Jehovah God that heals. And then paths of righteousness is the holy uh, Jehovah God of holiness. What an interesting uh, uh understanding of this. I want before we begin of what it does say, I want to I want to tell you something that doesn't say there. For all of you OSU fans, it does not say that Stillwater is the holy city. Nor does it say Norman is a holy city either, (laughs) but anyway, the fact that it is important for us to understand that. But what I what I want to see too, that there's other words in there that has a meaning. I, I really think the beauty of this whole psalm is twofold. First is that Jehovah God is all sufficient. He's all sufficient. And the second, I believe in this in this psalm that makes it so beautiful, is the simplistic of the psalm, the variety of of ideas and the fullness of the assurance that we have that's pictured in this psalm. The essence of the thought is this, that the Lord is all. We've got to get that. If we if we believe we don't follow things that we don't have confidence in. And so we need to understand the confidence that we have in the Lord as our shepherd. And I hope I can display that to you this morning. It is the first and the chief value of this this psalm is that the Lord is my shepherd. It's hard for me to perceive a God that loves me that much, that cares for me. That he's my shepherd. I want to explain it this way. The infinite God is mine. And he cares for me. And he provides for me. And he's with me. That's the charm of this psalm. But when I wrote that, I had a hard time with the thought when I when I wrote the infinite God is mine. That made it sound like I was in charge of God. And that's not what I'm saying. I want to illustrate it this way. Jay and Margaret Reapy were my parents. They're already gone to be with the Lord. But we were a family. I was their son along with two other boys. And I understood that I had all the privileges of being in this family. I had the provision. I had the wisdom. I had the protection. I had the assurance. And that any time I needed something that I could join that family, come back into that family, meet with that family, and that everything would be okay. I had that assurance. And if you haven't ever had that type of family, I am, I am, I had to confess, I was blessed because I did get to grow up in that kind of a family. A rich family, not rich with money. We were poor, 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 poor folks. But I was rich with the character of a dad and mom that, that represented a shepherd, a caring nature. And when I think about the, the way I was raised, that, 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 that I, was, I was their child, I carried it. And we carry the name of the child of God. And so when we think about Jesus dying on the cross and Father giving his son to, to, for us for our sins, and we think about the crucifixion, we think about the resurrection, we think about the disciples, we think about the apostles, we think about the prophets, we think about the people that keep telling us about how great God is and how, what great family that we are. We ought to have the confidence and praise God that we have that confidence because all of our needs are met without a shadow of a doubt. So yes, we do have needs. And yes, we do have danger. And yes, we do have some discipline that, that we need. My parents had my back, but they also had my butt once in a while, too. <laughs> But there's hostility out there. What's neat about this thing is all those things are in the background of this with this psalm. But what brings to the front is the supply for the needs that we have, the deliverance from the danger that we have, from that the, we sometimes we need to be disciplined. But what I love too is that the, the powerlessness of the host, uh, hostility that we have to deal with. And you see in this psalm, there's only one person that's able to do that. And if you look, too, at all of them, each one is a personal gift. Look at verse 1. It says, My shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. What a blessing. The intents of this whole psalm is powerful, but there's only two people involved in this psalm. Jehovah God and you. Or me. And then he deals with the fact that the satisfied conclusion. And it's this, I shall not want. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever lived a, a part of your life that you didn't have any wants? We always want him. But we come to with him, we will live to a point that we have no wants. The completeness of this thought delights me. The feeling of being home, longing for the assurance of rest, is really a comforting thought. But then the second thing about this psalm that I think is really interesting is the worthiness of this psalm. He talks about a shepherd, he talks about guiding us, he talks about the host, referring to the sheep, referring to a traveler, referring to a guest. Each one of them is important in this psalm. So each one is, is a revelation, and I don't have a slide up there that goes through all of those, but each one is a revelation that is a fundamental factor to us that we have everything cared for. Our shepherd provides as a sheep food with rest, drink with rest, a renewed life, a new strength in life. David is trying to explain if you trust in the Lord, all of these things are yours. And there's there's not a circumstances in your life that you have to worry about. He's got it. The Lord is my shepherd. He's shepherding you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. The emphasis in these first three verses is Jesus is adequate. And he knows how and when to lead you to where you need to be. Because we're on this journey. I think of the sheep. I shall not want. He's talking about the fact that he's the great shepherd. And he's leading us. I think of a text that you may think it's out of character here for me to use it. But I want to I use it. It's in Mark chapter 6. And it's starting with verse 34. The disciples and Jesus have been busy ministering to people. So they get in a boat and they go to a place that is kind of a quiet place where they they move away and just rest. But the people found out where they were and they came in thousands. And verse 34 says, They were like sheep that needed a shepherd. And what happened is that Jesus began to teach them. And then it was time to eat and he fed them. There were 5,000 people and he fed them with loaves of bread and two fish. But then I want you to see that what's neat about that story for me is that when we think about leaders, we think about the inequity, the inability of leaders to do leading we see bosses that can't boss. We see leaders that can't lead. We see people that they give their word and a handshake and they, they don't follow through with it. So when we think about leaders, we think about the the, the all the people that are disqualified to be a leader. They don't support us. But I want you to see here that even even though Jesus was in a time of exhaustion, he didn't respond through that image, he responded because of the need of the sheep. Why is that important to us? Because he's always on board. He's always on us. He's always there with us. He's always in us. He's always with us. He's always walking with us. He's trying to help us to come on this journey that we can know that he is, he's there. He's got our back. He's with us. He wants to see us succeed. Not in the worldly standpoint, but in the, in, the, in the spiritual world. He wants us to have this relationship with him that we have the confidence to do the ministry that he's been doing. Have you been called by Jesus? I'd say that if you're here this morning and you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're called. And he wants you to have the confidence that your calling has a purpose. And he wants to desire that you fulfill that purpose because the church depends upon that. I don't know where I'm at on the screen. I'm sorry. I think of a green pasture and still waters. Sheep are defenseless animals. They're prone to get lost easy. And they need constant care. When a sheep is hungry, they will not lay down and sleep. Nor will they uh, drink from flowing water. So a shepherd understands his sheep and he will... uh, Take them from pasture to pasture. A sheep will—I'm not—I've I'm not raised sheep. I'm telling this from second hand. But sheep eat closer to the ground than a cow will, so it, they can kill the grass out easier than than a cow or a horse or other animal. So they've got to keep moving them so that they don't kill out the pasture land where they're eating. So the shepherd's got to watch them and be and be in care of them. But also they won't drink from flowing water. And so if they have a stream that's flowing very rapidly, then they have to make a canal that would bring into a basin that the water would sit still. So the water would drink, I mean the sheep would drink their fill. Another picture I think that is fundamental for us details like that in your life, whatever you're going through, God understands because He's your shepherd. And he leads you to those pastures that you need. And he leads you to the water that you need. And he'll provide it the way that you can satisfy yourselves. For the purpose of the kingdom of God. He restoreth my soul in the paths of righteousness. I tell you, I, uh, I, think of, um, I think of the Bible sometimes as a, a photograph book. I don't know, when we were kids, we didn't have TV. So when we'd go visit relatives, we would have these old photograph books of the family and the history of, of our family. And uh, we would they would open them up and grandparents or aunts and uncles would uh, you'd point at a picture and they would tell the story behind it. And we would laugh and we'd cry. And and of course, every family had their favorite storyteller. Ours was Uncle Charlie. And he he would he would tell stories. You wouldn't when you got through with it, you didn't know if it was true or not. But he made it fun. And he was a truck driver, so he had more illustrations than, than anybody could ever come up with. And he was, us kids always wanted Uncle Charlie to sit down and tell us stories about family. And, it's, and I think it's really a, a great way of doing things. We don't get to do that much anymore. But I wonder sometimes that if that's the case, then the Bible is a photograph of stories that God wants to see us a picture. And I don't know about your journey. If you feel like that you're called, and there's times perhaps in your journey that you wonder if God is still leading. You wonder if you perhaps may be the wrong turn at a why. But when I think of that, I wonder about David. King David. You remember his story? You remember he was anointed by uh, Solomon? He was the second king. The first king was Saul, and he was a terrible king. And so God was not blessed with him, so he was going he, he to make another king. And so the nation of Israel wanted kings. They wanted kings. They didn't want God to be king. They wanted a, they wanted a physical king like all the other nations. So Samuel was to go to Jesse's house because God led him and said, there's going to be a king come from from that family. There was a lot of boys, more than the Reepy family. And so he started with the oldest. And God says, nope. And he gets to the next one. Nope. He gets to the next one. He goes through seven of them. And and, and Samuel says, what's going on? And And he asked Jesse, he says, do you have any more boys around here? He says, oh, yeah, we've got one more. He's out in the pasture with the sheep. Let's call him in. So he brings him in. And God says, this is the king of all the boys, a little kid. And God says, anoint him. And so he anoints him. And he grows. And then he goes to battle for Israel. And we know that story of Goliath. Where he, all the army was was hunkered <coughs> excuse me, hunkered down and afraid of this giant. And David comes in, and there was a slingshot. He had the he had the confidence and the and the purpose that God gave him and knew that he could handle that giant because of his confidence in God. And so he did that. And he's built things and, and, and you see him. Raising high and then he seemed falling down in the bottom with his life. You remember a relationship with a beautiful girl. Her husband was a leader of his army. He got so intrigued by her beauty that he slept with her, had a child, and God wasn't happy with him then. And then there was a time when Saul was angry with him and he went and hid. And he probably wondered at times where God was still with him. But we understand that David was a man after God's own heart. Why? It wasn't. I want you to know. I think this is something that needs to be said. I want you to know that you do not have to live a perfect life. God is not after a perfect life. He's after your heart. He's wanting a heart change. He's wanting you to think different. He wants you to to be different. But he doesn't expect your life to be always perfect. That it can't happen. It will not happen on this side of heaven. But he wants your heart. He wants you to commit to him with your heart. And that's what David did. And honestly, David became the greatest king of Israel. He's the one that brought both the northern and the southern parts of Israel together. He did great things, but he wasn't perfect all the time. Another person I thought of, too, that wasn't always so perfect, but if you think of Joseph earlier in history, in in, uh, Exodus, we see Joseph had, had a calling, too. He had a dream that his family would bow down to to him at one point in time. (laughs) His family didn't agree with that. In fact, uh, one day he was to go out and check on his brothers and see how the herd was doing and everything and and come back. He He was his daddy. He was Jacob's favorite son because of his mother. And he had a coat of many colors that showed he was favored of all the boys. his brothers saw that jacket and they, they perceived that uh, this doesn't need to be seen anymore and our brother doesn't need to be seen anymore. So they ripped the jacket off of him. They throw him in a cistern, which is just a well and uh, happens to be a slave tribe come through to go into Egypt and uh, uh, they wanted to kill him. But Judah said, no, we're not going to kill him. Let's just sell him to the slave driver. So they sold him and he went to Egypt. They took the robe and they dripped blood all over it from a lamb and took it back to their father and said, boy, we're sure, sorry, dad, but that wild animal ate your son. Your favorite boy is no longer uh, around. He was a favorite meal of a, a wild animal. Several years passed and, and uh, Joseph became really good at what he did. And then uh Potter's house. He was. Uh, he became the head of the house, and this is Mrs. Potiphar thought he was handsome and good looking too, and she wanted to sleep with him. And he ran from the scene and left his coat behind him. His coats were always getting him in trouble. You ever notice that? But then, but he left, and then she screamed, and all everybody came, and she explained that he was. He would, he, would, he made a a, a force entry with her and and stuff and and so he went to jail and along with a couple other servants and and then uh, he he was. He was, God blessed him there and his journey with God was still blessed and he was, he was reinterpreting dreams and things and, and so he, he interpreted a couple of dreams and one, both of them came true and so uh, the king was having dreams about a, uh, uh, a weird dream and nobody could do it and so he called Joseph. And and he says, can you interpret the dreams? And he says, yeah. He says, the the cattle that are starving represents the years of of famine. And the fat cattle are representing the good years. But I wonder if Joseph ever thought if God was still following him or leading him in those years that he was in jail. Or the years that he went through the, the hard times. But you know the end story. He became the governor or the ruler of all of the, the grain that was to be made. And he's the one that handed it out. His family was starving. And so they came to buy grain. And he recognized the boys and recognized their sons. And he plays this game with them. And he gets, it ends up where all of, all of uh, Jacob's family moves to Egypt. God blessed him. I think of being a disciple of God. Those that we were called and said, would you follow me? There were times when they were living their life and there were times when they would be put in jail. We just, we just read about Peter and Paul and those. But there was other disciples that were jailed just as much as they were because they proclaimed Jesus as Lord and Savior. I wonder sometimes if they would still believe that the following or the leading of God was still up on them for the blessing. My point is this. It's about a relationship. And I want you to understand that God is with you even through the hard times. Because that's when you understand his love for you. My dad and mom were great people. But the times that I really understood how much they cared for me was the times I needed to be disciplined. The times I needed to be corrected. And they blessed me. I think there's times when there's trials and tribulations that we doubt whether God is leading us, and we we need to understand always, always, always that the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And He's there for that purpose. You can have that confidence in that. And then the last thing he says in this in this text is that uh, for his namesake. I believe that's something for us to understand as a journey home. I believe that there's a, there's paths that we travel. There's there's hills and valleys. There's blessings. There's there's hardships and everything. But but he is he's wanting you to know that he's leading you Home. Giving you confidence of home. And I'm not necessarily talking about a place. I'm talking about a relationship. I am going to use my dad again. and When dad shook, you, when you, dad shook your hand, it was a firm shake. It wasn't one of these fingertip things and you kind of... Or fist bump... Dad was a a German boy, and when he shook your hand, he grabbed it, and it was firm. And when I grew up, I always remember that handshake. What was unique about that handshake is that with that handshake, he could draw you near him. Or he could just hand you that handshake, and he believed every time you shook somebody's hand, you'd look them in the eye, and he could look you in the eye. And what was neat about that as I grew old, I understand the confidence that I was home. The assurance that he had my back. Either he could bring me in and hug me, or he could tell me something that I needed to know without anybody else hearing, or he could just look at me and smile and know I was okay. Guys. That's what the Lord's wanting to do for you. He's wanting to show you, for His name's sake, you matter. And there's times He's going to bring you close. And He's going to hug you. And He's going to, He's going to embrace you. And He's going to whisper things in your ear that you need to know. And then there's other times He's just going to look at you and say, I got you. You're OK. Keep walking. For me, personally, I believe that I was born with a purpose. Even though I was born imperfect, as far as I thought of uh, in the world, because I only have one hand. And I fought that a lot of times in my life. And I wondered if there's any reason, any purpose that God would have for me. And then I heard a calling for him in my life. And I understood the purpose was going to be a little different than anybody else, maybe. But then I saw the protection. I saw the provision. I saw the guidance. I saw the leading. And every time I, I stepped It seemed like another door open or another door closing or even though the hardship, but there was doors that were being opened, and they continued. And to today, I'm with you guys thinking that I was retiring in 2018. Where did I get that idea? But I want you to know something. I know it's another title of a song, but I don't care. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. And I believe that. Would you read with me this psalm one more time as we close? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He lead us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We are his children. I want you to leave today with the confidence that he's with you and always will be with you. Doesn't mean that you're going to live a perfect life. Doesn't mean that you're always walking in his will, but he's with you. All you got to do is turn around and come back. He says, ask, seek and find, and he'll give it to you. Matthew 7, verses 7. I hope and pray that today is a blessed day for you in the confidence that you are the God's children and you're walking with him. He's leading you through all your life. May God bless you. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this passage of scripture. Thank you for these folks. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. I ask that you bless them today as they go out into the world and spread the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.